Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is April 8th, and we are going to be joined by Rhode Island sports journalist great, Kevin McNamara. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Welcome, everybody, back to episode 15 of the Friar Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, and today I'm joined by a New England sports legend. He's been covering our team and that team in Kingston we don't really like for a long time, as well as New England sports from the Red Sox to the Patriots and the Big East Conference as a whole. He's with the Projo for over 30 years, and now he's with KevinMaxSports.com. Kevin McNamara, welcome to the Friar Podcast. Hey Billy, thanks very much, and uh, no more no more legend talk. Okay, that's uh, uh, def- definitely not warranted. But I've really enjoyed your podcast. I thought I was going to be alone in the podcast genre for for, for a while on the Friar Beat, but it's uh, it's great to see so many really good ones and uh, really good for the fans. Yeah, Kevin. No, it's been something uh, I've wanted to do for a long time, and you know, it's it's. It was kind of a great year to start it, you know, unfortunately with the pandemic and everything going on, I had a little bit of extra time and it's just something I've always wanted to work on. There's actually going to be an article coming out shortly on friarbasketball.com. Uh, Kevin Farhar and I have been in touch for a while and he's, you know, he's going to kind of profile how everything came together here, but, you know, would love to just talk about some things, how you started your journalism career. But before we get there, Kevin, what is your favorite Providence restaurant? Yeah, this is might be uh, my favorite part of your podcast because it's uh, you hear an array of answers from both people who live in Rhode Island and people who only come through for basketball games or whatnot. But uh, when I want to take people to a Rhode Island restaurant, uh, I go to Capriccio's. Uh, and I've uh, not to drop any names, but I've when Rick Barnes came in with uh, God, I guess that would have been uh, Texas. Uh, that's where he wanted to go. Uh, when Dave Gavitt wanted to take the Big East, you know, coaches, uh, Jim Beheim, we, uh, Jim Beheim, Tim Welsh was the coach. We went to Capriccio's uh, and Dave Gavitt, that's where he used to take, you know, Raleigh and and uh, Louis Carnesecca. That, that that was the spot. So uh, I don't know if it's a basketball thing. I think it's the food and the service thing. It's just, you, you can't top it. Great choice. Hasn't been covered too much on the show. So shout out to you for doing that. And the other thing is too, they have their own sangria that they bottle. That is so cool to me that they have their own brand of sangria that they they bottle and sell. So shout out to Capriccio there. And I will say maybe the best thing is when, when people come in from out of town, usually they pay. I'm just sliding that in. You know, usually they pay. You know, they're usually on the expense account and uh, they're happy to uh, pump some money into Rhode Island's economy. So uh, as you know, we have an array of great restaurants. Yes, and we could always use the help in the in the economics department. So uh, shout out to all those people that are coming into the state and uh, you know coming out to some of those great restaurants. But Kevin, let's talk about your early life. You know, growing up, how you became a sports fan, playing sports, and how you got started in your journal journalism career, leading to the Projo. Well, uh, well, it's a long time ago. I'm born and raised in Rhode Island. My uh, mom and dad are both from Providence. Uh, my dad actually grew up within three miles of Providence College, right over near LaSalle Academy. Uh, moved to Coventry when I was a young guy. Uh, grew up in Coventry, loved, uh, you know, living down there, uh, you know, far from the city. But uh, we'd always go back to Grandma's house. And Grandma's house was, again, right next to Providence. 
college. And um, at the time, the Friars were really, you know, killing it in the 70s with, again, Dave Gavitt, the coach, and obviously Ernie and Marvin and Kevin and whatnot, and Joe Hassett. Uh, it's just some great teams. And, and, you know, I'm a Rhode Islander, so it was pretty easy to get into PC basketball at that point in time. Um, played an awful lot of basketball, high school basketball, high school baseball. Those are my two sports. Uh, went to Syracuse for their communications program. Really happy I did. It worked out, you know, unbelievably well. Worked in the athletic department. Got to know, you know, Coach McPherson was was the football coach. Obviously, Jim Beheim was the basketball coach. Uh, they actually came into our office. I was in the sports information office. They would come into our office to pick up their mail. Uh, we did the mail. It was old mail slots and whatnot. And, you know, Jim Beheim would come and get his mail. Um, anyways, that's how I met Jim Beheim and Dick McPherson, who went on to coach the Patriots. He was the head coach of the Patriots. Um, and then um, I had an internship with the Providence Journal one summer, basically covered the Pawtucket Red Sox, trying to think that the, the players then, the star players then were Jody Reed, um, Ellis Burks was just passing through, Mike Greenwell. Uh, so it, it was a talented team. And then um, graduated, was working at a bar in Westerly, having a lot of fun. And uh, a job came open and uh, at the journal, um, they hired me and stayed there for 31 years and um, did high schools for a year. I covered URI basketball for a year. And then uh, Providence, the Providence beat opened in my, I guess it'd be my second, third year. Mike Stanton, who is a great writer, uh, wrote The Prince of Providence about Buddy Cianci. Mm -hmm. uh, he transitioned to news. He went on to win Pulitzer Prizes. I went on to cover the Friars. And uh, I think we're both happy with the switch. As much as I love Prince of Providence, the Friars will always have a bigger you know, place in my heart. So I think you made the right decision there. And yeah. it's a very different media landscape nowadays. You have a lot of podcasts. Yeah. You know, you have less print media and more online and different sources that kind of provide little quick bites of information. What would be your advice to somebody starting in the business today or a college kid just graduating from a communications program? Yeah, you know, I'm asked this an awful lot. It's um, it, it's a challenge. Uh, people like to turn it around and say, would you have still tried to get into the business the way the business is right now? And I think the answer is probably not. Uh, it, it's a major challenge. It's, it's difficult to make a living, raise a family, uh, especially at a young age. Uh, but if you have a passion for it, there are so many outlets to show your talent. Uh, you can start a website, which I've just done. Uh, you can start a podcast, which you've just done. Uh, you, you can get online for free and highlight what you can do. And then if you can package it together and sell it to an outlet, and the outlet may not be a newspaper, uh, a newspaper company. Uh, these, these companies are shrinking. Uh, I have yet to identify the companies that are growing in the media world. Uh, people say, oh, you know, the online ones. Well, Last time I checked, ESPN.com just laid off over half their talent in the last five years. So it, it, it's a significant challenge. I will say versatility to be able to do what we're doing right now um, and, and showing that you can you know, do video, do audio and write. Uh, you need to be a triple threat these, this day and age. And um, hopefully that's what they're teaching kids in school. Yeah, it, it's it's a different world that we live in. A lot of the skills and social media and, you know, online production, website production, or just things that we don't learn. So it's, it's something you kind of got to learn afterwards. And I agree, it's all about the passion for it. That's, you know, why I started this project. And 
you know, I'm thankful to have the ability to build a platform, you know, through an, through an online media sense in which I wouldn't have had, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But talking about the Friars, Kevin, yeah. the 2020-2021 Providence Friars, unfortunately, were a little bit disappointing. And, and that is, of course, in the grand scope of things with how consistently successful we have been in recent years. What is your overall recap of the season, considering it was such a unique time um, and, you know, not having fans, neither, n- neither having fans nor playing at the dunk? Yeah. Well, it was certainly the most bizarre season that I've ever covered. You know, I, I really enjoy uh, the interpersonal communications with the coaching staff and uh, not only the head coach, but the assistant coaches and obviously the players. And I didn't see anyone face to face all year. Just anytime uh, was I was in the facility one time. Um, I won't say how and when, because I probably wasn't supposed to be there. Um, but once usually I, I go to practice frequently, uh, this year, what didn't do it, uh, obviously didn't, I saw some games at, um, in Asheville for the Maui invitational in person and the big East tournament. Those are the only games I saw all season. So I saw four Friday games live all year. Um, so that's the first time in 31 years that, that you know, have unfolded that way. But I think on the court, uh, first of all, as soon as I saw the Big East coaches poll and saw the Friars third, I said, this, I totally disagreed with it. I had them fifth. They ended up being the sixth seed. So, you know, I, I guess I wasn't that far off, but uh, fifth in my mind was an NCAA tournament team. So I did think that they could make the NCAA tournament. Obviously they fell short. Uh, the Friars had a couple things, you know, kind of against them from the start. Number one, uh, I, I think one of the bonuses of this staff is they do a good job with player development. Uh, they were robbed of the entire summer because of the pandemic. Uh, there's an awful lot of kids who you would say, wow, that guy didn't improve. Uh, this guy didn't improve. What, what, you know, his, his free throw shooting went down. His three-point shooting went down. I think that's directly traced back to last summer. Now, now that said, you know, were there other schools, you know, Villanova, I'm trying to think uh, elsewhere in the league, I think Seton Hall, a few other teams that did not have access to their players all summer? Absolutely. There were others that did. Connecticut was there almost all year. Uh, URI was there uh, most of the summer, but Providence College chose to close the campus all last summer. It really, really hurt uh, this team because they had a lot of young players. Uh, You know, I think people got excited because David Duke and Nate Watson and AJ Reeves uh, were coming back. Uh, Greg Gant played a a decent amount as a freshman, Um, but the rest of the team was new. Um, you know, you, you could say that Noah Hawkler and Jared Bynum were here as transfers the year before. I, I wouldn't say that almost doesn't count because it's a really important year and those guys did get better, but they're not having reps with David and Nate. It's as simple as that. So th- this team was kind of thrown together. Uh, they clearly weren't ready for the start of the season. Uh, anyone who watched the Maui Invitational would see that. They were kind of embarrassed against Indiana and Alabama. And it, it just took them a while. And defensively, it never came together. And uh, for an Ed Cooley team not to be good defensively, um, that, that's a rarity. And uh, I, I really don't expect that to happen too many more times in, in Ed's time at Providence. Absolutely. I mean, 
watching Ed Cooley coach teams, there are going to be times offensively, you know, we might not shoot the best from three point or, you know, the offense can be a little bit jumbled, you know, I, like with the flex offense, I have my opinions on that, but we'll, 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 we'll say, we'll save that for another episode. Um, yeah. in, in terms of the defense, I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's the best part about bed Cooley coach teams is like how much grit they play with how much defensive intensity. And you just didn't see that this year, but overall I'm a huge fan of Ed Cooley and I see you asking questions to Ed after every game. You're always first up. He knows you pretty well, Kev. You know, can you talk about your relationship with with Coach? Yeah, it's um, interesting. I, I've literally known Ed Cooley since he was probably wow. Uh, I didn't know him as a high school kid, but uh, I, I certainly I met him when he was at Stonehill, and uh, definitely got to know him decently well when he, he came to URI. So I'm trying to think what age he would have been, maybe 25, 24 years old. So I've known him for, you know, 30 years, 20, 25 years, uh, was a big, really excited when he was able to get the Providence job out of Fairfield. You know, he had some success at Fairfield. He didn't kill it at Fairfield. Um, but, uh, Providence's, um, search after Keno Davis was short and quick and they identified Ed quickly. He made a great impression, obviously with, you know, Father Shanley and, and Bob Driscoll. And, uh, I think it's been a great success and, uh, you know, he's been great with me. Uh, I've had now, uh, was it five, uh, Rick Barnes, Pete Gillen, uh, Tim Welsh, Keno Davis and Ed. So five. And, um, I have no complaints. Providence College has uh, you know, given me great access. Um, and Ed Cooley has been, I think he's one of the 10 best media friendly coaches in the country. And, and I think that helps him uh, not only, you know, in his job, but in projecting a positive image for uh, the Providence program, which is that that's a big part of the job. And I think people now criticize him a little bit because of that, because, you know, he's too media friendly. Uh, believe me, you do not want the opposite because we kind of had that with the last coach. And that's one of the reasons he didn't last all that long. Well said. And yeah. you got to you got to think that Ed's going to end up in media when he's done coaching. Right. Like he does these appearances on CBS and people love him. Well, I, I have two things. As, as soon as I so I, I again, I've known Ed for a while. I didn't cover him at Fairfield. Uh, he didn't never played the Friars. If, if he played URI, I didn't cover that game. When I saw that very first press conference, I said, well, Ed, we, we got some good news. The good news is you have a six-year contract or five-year contract, whatever that is. And as soon as you either want to retire or get fired, I got the job for you. He's like, what's that, Mac? I said, you're going to be a preacher and I'm going to build the church and everyone's going to come and you're, you'll, you'll be the black Billy Graham. It's as simple as that. You're going to absolutely crush it as a, as a preacher. So uh, whenever Ed decides he doesn't want to coach anymore, he's either going to work for Fox TV or he's going to be a preacher and he's going to kill it. He just has a way with people. Like you can tell, you can feel his energy when he talks to people like his genuine, you know, we had Kyron Cartwright on and he's like, guys, like he cares about us. And it's, it's a beautiful thing and love his energy, love the persona he has. And the other thing is he's Rhode Island famous. So everywhere he goes, right. like, like he can't hide. Like if he goes to stop and shop, like he's going to get mobbed by people. So I, it, I it's good and bad. I, I've, I've heard this again for five coaches. It's good and bad that they, they love that PC is the state's pro team. Uh, they love that the dunk fills up. Um, would they, they all live in East Greenwich. Every single one of them is living with the exception of Kino. Kino lived in Smithfield. They've all lived in East Greenwich because they think they can hide in the woods. Ed lives in the woods. 
all he has to do is drive two miles to uh, Division Road, right? And and go to you name it the the workout center the the anywhere, and he's Ed Cooley, and uh, I think that's they all don't love that, but then again, they get compensated well to be a big star in Rhode Island, right? And great choice with East Greenwich. I don't know, nothing against Smithfield, but you know, East Greenwich is an amazing choice. Um, so yeah. shout out to all those Friar coaches. But let's talk about the Big East as a whole. It was definitely a different season, of course, like we mentioned with the Friars. But other than Villanova and Creighton, we've seen a lot of ups and downs from Butler, from Xavier, from Seton Hall, from Marquette, obviously with them recently firing their coach, which we're going to get into the Shaka Smart hiring in a second. But to start, like, what do you think about the Big East as a whole in, in recent years, especially with adding UConn back in. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think first of all, we have to take it in perspective. It's still a, it's, it's a, it's a league that's not even 10 years old. Uh, I know that, you know, Friar fans might say, well, you know, it's been here for 32 years. It hasn't, it's a totally new league uh, beginning in 2013, 2012, whatever it was. Uh, I think it's had remarkable success in that time. That said, uh, outside of Villanova, the league has not had enough success in the NCAA tournament. And this sport is measured by NCAA tournament success. Just ask Friar fans, uh, for example. Um, but uh, to answer your question, I think coaching stability is the number one thing that will solve the issues in the Big East. Um, I think Providence has had stability, has not had enough NCAA tournament success. I think Seton Hall has had stability. Uh, and they were robbed of a chance to really have their best team last year. Um, uh, everyone else from St. John's to uh, uh, Butler to Xavier, um, uh, uh, Creighton has had great stability and has had very good success. Um, uh, Georgetown, uh, all, all, Mar now Marquette, too much coaching changeover. You can't have a new coach every four or five years uh, and be able to have you know, build consistent success. Uh, what's interesting to me is every single school I've mentioned, with the exception really of Georgetown, has had a top 25 season. Uh, St. John's had a top 25 season a couple of years ago, for example. Um, and I love Mike Anderson. I think he's an excellent coach. Uh, I don't think there's been a bad hire uh, in the Big East. So, um, I, I, and obviously the addition of Connecticut is, is, is a game changer. I think Danny is excellent and we'll do an excellent job and, and we'll have Connecticut in the top three of the league on a consistent basis. Yeah. So then following up on that Marquette, we talked about a little bit of coaching change here. I mean, they're the opposite of PC. I think in the sense that they've been up here and they've been down here. Whereas like we were consistently, you know, in that three, four, five range for a lot of years in, in recent memory, like, you know, what do we think about the shock of smart hiring? Obviously he's coming home. He's a local guy from Wisconsin. Like, you know, what, was that surprising to you? It was surprising to me. Well, well, it was a little surprising to me that uh, that they would move off of Wojo. Um, I, they haven't been bad. Uh, you know, they've they've maybe not been good enough, but they haven't been bad. Uh, but that's their choice, and uh, that they targeted Shaka. I think Shaka Smart is a very good coach, and will have very good success wherever he's gone. I think he had good success at Texas, but Texas is crazy. You know, Texas thinks that they should win the national championship. Uh, Billy, um, has Texas ever won the uh, national championship? Uh, I think they've been to one Final Four. Uh, that was with Rick Barnes, who, correct me if I'm wrong, they squeezed him out of town too. I, I do remember that. Yeah, uh, all-time greatest coach in the history of the school, and they squeeze him out, and now, you know, 
Shaka is not good enough. So they're going to squeeze him out. So Texas is, you know, just worry about football and keep paying those 25, uh, $25 million buyouts to, to coaching staffs and football. I, I love that. That's, that's a good use of taxpayer money, but anyways, uh, don't get me started on Texas. Um, Shaka will be good. Uh, I'll be curious if he gets back more to the VCU havoc style than the let's try to recruit five-star All-Americans and get them to the NBA quickly. Um, I don't think that's going to work at Marquette. I don't think he'll be able to get consistent that level five-star recruits at Marquette. He'll get a couple. Uh, uh, Wojo was getting uh, McDonald's All-Americans. I think that Shaka can as well. And say this about Marquette, they care and they want to win at basketball. Their budget is as high as anyone in the league. And uh, you arm Shaka Smart with that, it it can be a pretty powerful entity. Well, in terms of Texas, I think the Friars got the last laugh the last time we played. I was at that game. Ooh, ooh, a lot of dunks, a lot of Juan Pimpkins threes. Like, that was just a fun game to be. I think we beat them by 40 or 50. That 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 was a route. Well, you know, there's a lot of fun things about this job, but one is to go on the road in the preseason. And, you know, say it's December 5th and Providence is at Texas. Uh, URI is at LSU. I been I went to both of those games. Those people could care less in December. They don't care about men's basketball at all until the bowl games are over where Providence and Rhode Island in these two circumstances, they really cared. I mean, those were like big marquee games. And sure enough, Providence went down to Austin a couple of years ago and they flexed the hell out of the Longhorns and won. And, you know, the last time they had a two game series, Providence won both games. So it can happen. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, that was an amazing game. And, and, you know, we got the last, we got the last laugh against Texas and TCU. Um, yeah. But transitioning to the team going into next year, so before we even get there, we had some transfers. We had Greg Gant. He is now officially a member of the NC State Wolfpack. He's going home. Very happy for him. You know, obviously with the passing of his mom, I'm yeah. sure, you know, sure he wanted to be closer to family. We have Chris Monroe, to NC Central, historically black college, great choice, excited for him. And we have still Jimmy Nichols, a free agent. And any, you know, any guesses on A, how the Friars will fill the those guys and, the, you know, them transferring on to different schools or, you know, where Jimmy Nichols could end up? Uh, no word on Jimmy Nichols. I'll be curious. He, he has uh, some medical issues that obviously he ran into this year. Um, you know, they, they haven't really said what it is. I know what it is. Uh, it's, a, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I think he probably could have returned to Providence and, and been physically able to keep going. I, I certainly hope that's the case. He's, he's expressed an interest to keep playing college basketball. He'd have three years of eligibility. So I, I hope he can do it. Um, I'll be curious who takes a shot on him because he is a talented kid. If physically healthy, uh, he can play at almost any level. Uh, I, I think Jimmy Nichols is by far the most important loss of those three. Uh, Greg Gant, you know, I, I don't want to kill anybody, but uh, the first time I saw Greg Gant, he's shooting jump shots by himself um, at the uh, Rowan Center. And I said, well, there's something wrong with his shot. And uh, one of the one of the coaches said, well, "What do you mean?" I, I said, "He's got a hitch in his shot. He, he doesn't extend his arm high enough." He said, "Well, it goes in. It doesn't go in. Uh, he, he's he's a, he's a he's a wing forward who doesn't shoot the ball well. Uh, that's a problem." Uh, that said, stud athlete, hard worker, great kid. 
Uh, I wish him all the well, you know, all the best at NC State. I, I still think that might be a level that's too high for him, but we'll see. If he changes his shot and can and can, you know, get up over forty percent, uh, you know, on twos and over thirty five percent on threes, he's a very good player. Um, replacing those guys, you know, what's interesting is you know they've had you know a couple additions already and they haven't replaced them with forwards. So I, I do think that Providence could use a veteran forward to, to, you know, uh, kind of spot into that spot on the roster. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I was leading into is like, you know, where, where's the forward help to kind of, you know, help, especially with Greg Gant and Jimmy Nichols, but we have a center and he's coming back and he's probably one of, if not the best returning center in the country, Nate Watson. I mean, you know, over 16 points a game had plenty of double doubles, what does Nate Watson bring coming back for his fifth year to the Friars? Well, uh, again, this is one of those things where I, I wish I'd be able to talk to Nate, you know, one-on-one. I had him on a, a telephone call this year and, and didn't ask him the question because it was during the season. Um, but I think the real reason he came back, which is so refreshing in this uh, day and age of college basketball is he, he, he missed playing in front of the dunk and, and missed playing in front of fans. He, he's an emotional um, warm, uh, energetic kid. Uh, I like him a lot and I, I could tell he missed that. And I think that's the number, if it's not the number one reason it's one B, the one uh, a reason might be because he's not a first round draft pick right now. Uh, and he's a very unique college player because he is a low post player. Uh, we've seen him extend his range this year out to 15 feet with a very good jump shot, uh, over both shoulders, which is pretty unique for a big guy. Um, but you're right. Um, you know, certainly if he's not a preseason, all big East pick in the top five, he should be. And it's going to be a load for whoever the Friars face next year. He's uh, he, he's been one of the best big guys that Providence has had and now gets a fifth year uh, to, to really explode. Well, one thing I love about Nate Watson that I don't think people talk about enough is like he had some injury issues, um, you know, going into junior year, especially. And sure. he sat behind Khalif Young and he didn't complain. He, he just every time he came out on the floor, he brought the energy he scored. You know, we've definitely seen some improvements in terms of the overall offensive, you know, you know, mechanics and the different tool bag of things that he has to choose from as he, as he's grown, but he didn't run for the adversity. He, he stayed in it. You know, he believed in our system and like his dad, you know, is like the biggest supporter of, of, of our team and, and our school. It's re- it's really cool to see on social media, just like, you know, always posting about PC and, you know, David Duke and Nate Watson are the best duo in college basketball. So absolutely love that. And he's not the only one returning in the front court for the Friars. Mm. We have Noah Horkler who John Rook and I, we're talking about is the inside out threat the Friars needed on the first episode of the show. Obviously it took a little bit longer to get there, but we saw some flashes in the last eight games. Kevin, what'd you think of Noah Horkler as the season went on and how big of an impact will he have in his return? Yeah. You know, um, so I'm a big believer in college basketball that all these coaches say, Hey, you know, we're going to play nine or 10 guys and we're going to run and press and we're going to get up, up tempo. That's what they say in the recruiting and the sales pitches. And then when reality sets in, this is this is a seven or eight player sport. That's what it is. If you have a if you have a rotation seven eight players and and, and you know solid seven eight players, you're good. I, I think if Ed Cooley had been down and he wasn't ready to play seven or eight early in the year because he he didn't have a lot of answers. Yeah. But if by chance that was the case, Noah Hawkler would have been in that seven and eight, 
And we would have seen more production from Noah even you know earlier in the season. He just needed more playing time is, is really what I'm trying to say. Uh, when Jimmy Nichols was around, he took some minutes. Uh, when Greg Gant was, you know, was, was taking minutes from Noah, uh, next year Noah should be able to play 30 minutes a game. And I think you're going to see one of the better shooting forwards around. Um, his three-point shot clearly got better throughout the season. Uh, what I liked in his off year, his redshirt year, was he did show an ability to be a pick-and-pop uh, shooter and just a great rebounder. He's the best rebounder on the team. Um, back to Nate Watson. If Nate Watson is going to make himself into a true pro, he, he needs to become a better rebounder, rebound outside his space. Sorry for the basketball technical talk. Uh, Noah Hawkler rebounds outside of his space. Um, and he did that at North Florida, averaged almost nine rebounds a game. I think if you play Noah Hawkler 30 minutes a game, he could be a double-double uh, player, which is who wouldn't sign up for that? 100%. Definitely a little bit of a jump coming from North Florida to the Big East, especially without an, uh, you know, a true offseason and being able to practice with the guys. So we're excited to have him back. He's, I think he's secretly a little bit you know, more athletic than we realized, too. He had a couple of oh, like, yeah. really nice finishes over some guys where I was like, okay, I, I, I see you, Noah. But now well, trans- serious hops. He, he can run and jump. He's got some serious hops. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so we're excited to have him back. Um, and now transitioning to the guards. We added one recently from the class of 2022, Jaden Epps from Virginia. Not the first time we've, 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 you know, added somebody from the Virginia area. Shout, shout out Ivan Thomas, Jeff Battle. You know, they, they love that area of the country yeah. in terms of recruiting. Uh, four-star recruit, super excited. Had some high major offers from Florida, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Texas A&M. What do we think? What do we think, Kevin? What do we think about Jaden Epps coming? And is he going to be coming this year or is he going to be coming next year? Well, uh, they say that the plan is for this year, uh, obviously getting through high school in three years is diff- is a challenge, but I don't know his academic story or his transcript situation, but uh, the plan is to get him on campus this summer and enrolled for this coming year. Uh, hopefully that can be the case because uh, I do think that they need guard help. I think Ed Cooley, uh, you know, super frustrating season. He would tell you that. And he would also tell you, I'm not going through a season without a lot of guards ever again. And that's why he took Al Durham from Indiana. And that's why he took Jay Nepps. And uh, Billy, I would not be surprised if there's another guard um, that they take. I know that they're still recruiting guards. So we'll see. Um, That said, uh, there's very few freshmen who can come in and play and be impactful in the Big East, especially one who's graduating high school a year early. So I would be surprised if Jade Nepps can, can make much of an impact next year. Don't tell him that because this is this is basically, you know, recruiting one-on-one is, oh, you can come in and make an impact. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, if, if things work out the way the Friars want and everyone's back, including David Duke, I think what you saw this year will be uh, a little bit more what you see next year with with some veteran additions that uh, that excite me. You talked about Al Durham briefly, and we are very excited, obviously, to add him as a transfer. Uh, we saw him in the PC Indiana game, which we unfortunately ended up on the wrong side. I've had 16 points, three of five from three. You know, I mean, he's a team captain. He, he just seems like the type of guy that we want here at Providence College. What does that mean for somebody like an AJ Reeves or, or even like in, like you talked about the guards? Where does Alan Breed fit in for next year? Uh, it's called uh, competition. So, uh, Dean Smith, uh, not to go into the wayback machine, but 
Uh, Dean Smith was once asked, I think he had, um, you know, 12 guys on his team and nine were McDonald's All-Americans and the other three were pretty good too. And, and they once asked Coach Smith, they said, uh, well, Coach, what, is it, what does this mean for Billy? You know, he's a, he's a McDonald's All-American and, you know, he only played five minutes a game last year. He said, uh, well, son, uh, I play the best players and they'll decide who I play. And it's not the coach's job to massage egos or to say, hey, uh, Billy, uh, we're recruiting you and we're going to guarantee you 30 minutes a game for four years. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And if A.J. Reeves, uh, to answer your question, I think Al Durham, David Duke and A.J. Reeves can play together, uh, maybe not all at the same time, but at the same time sometimes. And if you want to be a good team, you need all three players. Uh, if you only have Al Durham, the Friars aren't going to be very good. If you only have Al Durham and David Duke, they could use A.J. Reeves. All three guys will play. Now, you know, as a player, do you want to be, you know, David Duke and play 38 minutes a game? And yeah, well, he deserved that role. Well, maybe A.J. Reeves didn't deserve playing 32 minutes a game and getting, you know, eight, nine shots a game. I mean, he's, he's played... Talk about opportunity, uh, you know, Greg Gant and A.J. Reeves, some of these guys have had great opportunity the last couple of years, and Friar, you know, the Friars are still waiting for more consistency from them. I, I think A.J. Reeves can hit that level uh, if he comes back next year at Providence, and he's going to play. I mean, A.J. Reeves is playing, and is playing serious minutes, uh, but I think he, he can also play along with Al Durham and David Duke and Jared Bynum and some of the other guys who you know will be in the rotation. Yeah. And, and is, is that too long of an answer, by the way? No, that was a okay. great answer. <laughs> that, 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 that was exactly the answer I was thinking in terms of like, you know, if you have David Duke, Al Durham and AJ Reeves out there, you know, all playing their game. I mean, college basketball, especially when it comes March is a guards game. So that's, that's exactly what you want. Well, let, let me ask you this. And I, I've heard, I'm not picking on you, Billy. I, I've heard the same thing from Fire fans in the last week. They're like, oh, Al Durham, geez, then AJ must be leaving. Do you think um, uh, Jalen Suggs at, at Gonzaga was miffed when uh, Nemhart, the transfer from Florida, came to Gonzaga? Oh, yeah. No, no. He's going to help us win. Now we have a little depth, quality depth, mm -hmm. and we can play Jalen Suggs and Nemhart can play together. And by the way, you don't have to play 40 minutes a game, you know? Uh, so quality depth is what makes a good team into a NCAA tournament winning team. And Providence badly needs quality depth. Yep. No, 100 percent. Like you think about our most successful teams, like they certainly weren't the ones where you know we were subbing in Ted Bancroft off the bench when we were playing Penn State, and then you know we had. I remember that year we had like seven guys total. So de de no, or, 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 or Bryce Cotton having to play you know, 39 and a half minutes a game. I mean, that's because they didn't have an alternative. An alternative is what every coach is looking for. To finish off on the the 2021. 22 Friars for next year, what did they have to do other than, you know, bring up that defensive intensity and add in the transfers into the mix to really make some noise next year? Well, two things they need a uh, Cooley likes to say that um, they need, they need to be connected uh, connectivity on defense. Uh, this was an unconnected team that they, they didn't, they didn't talk well. They didn't communicate well. Uh, they didn't feel each other. Well, you know, the, the, the team the year before filled with seniors, by the way, which was vastly underrated by Friar fans. Um, 
you know, Khalif Young was an excellent defensive player. Malik White was an excellent defensive player. Alpha Diallo could literally guard one through four. Amen. Uh, those guys, none of that didn't transfer to anybody on this current team, not one person. Um, they need to get some of that back. Uh, I, I don't know. Al Durham is a very good defensive player and he's very tough. He's going to add an awful lot uh, to, to that. That's one. Two, uh, offensive skill. Um, how many years have we seen the Friars just shoot really badly from the three-point line? Uh, also from the free throw line. Uh, just that that's offensive skill work um, that needs to be improved. Uh, I don't know if that's just even more reps. Is, is it breaking down guys, um, you know, even more with their shots or, or is it just having, getting rid of some guys who just weren't offensively skilled and bringing guys in who are more offensively skilled. Uh, I have seen enough of fry of fryer teams who can't shoot 30% from the three point line. It's just in this day and age, it's really hard to win, you know, to beat good teams when you don't hit threes. And uh, you know, Ed Cooley knows that this, this year was actually a better three point shooting team statistically mm -hmm. than previous ones. And it still wasn't very good. Yeah, it's definitely been a woe for us. You know, the games where we shoot like 18, 19, 23% from three, especially in today's college game, that's going to hurt you. It's tough to win. Yeah. But on a more positive note, to kind of wrap things up here, love to talk about KevinMaxSports.com. Would yeah. love to talk about the 401 podcast in which you've had some amazing guests and I've listened into. Could you talk about some, you know, the different things you've been working on? Yeah. Um, so last May... Um left the journal. I uh, had a great summer, uh, best, best golf summer in my life. Uh, got down to like a seven, which was great. Uh, now, unfortunately my wife's going to make me work again. So, you know, who knows what happens this summer, but, um, uh, launched a website, uh, kevinmaxsports.com. I, I realized that, um, you know, I, it's, I really enjoyed my career at the journal. Uh, I loved going, you know, and, and covering the World Series and covering the Super Bowls and covering the NBA Finals. I mean, it was it was it was a great run. Uh, but people don't come to they're, they're not waiting for my opinion too much on the Red Sox or the Patriots or the Celtics. I'd be happy to offer it and we'll write some of that stuff on Kevin Mack Sports. But it's really about Rhode Island stuff and college basketball that I'm known for. And I wanted to just kind of crystallize that material onto one site. So I created my own site, Kevin Mack, MC sports.com. Uh, most of the stuff is, is free. Most of the material is free. Um, but that's going to change. Uh, so, uh, for $50, uh, which I think is, well, it's a lot less than what you would pay to subscribe to the Providence journal, uh, which is how you had to, you know, get my material for the last 30 years. Um, so come one, come all, uh, I welcome you. I, I guarantee you'll like it. So that's pretty much the material on Kevin Mack Sports. Although I also have some great Red Sox material from a former boss of mine, Art Martone. I mean, really, really high quality Red Sox stuff. So if you're into the Red Sox, uh, that'll remain free, by the way, on the website. So please come and check out and tell your Red Sox friends, friends to check out Art's material. It's really good. And then the podcast, uh, I always knew I wanted to do a podcast. Uh, that was, you know, kind of what I'm looking to do. Um, I have a, you know, a 30 year, you know, array of, uh, of guests. Um, and if it's, you know, not the name drop, but you know, from Bob Ryan to Dick Vitale to Tim Welsh, I'll tell you the, the Tim Welsh, 
a podcast right now up on the final four is maybe one of the best ones that I've done. Tim coached against Mick Cronin. He's played golf and fished with Mark Few. He's done, he spent time with Scott Drew and Kelvin Sampson uh, in their locker rooms, in their offices as an ESPN analyst. What other kind of insight can you look for in the final four? It's, It's really good. So spread the word. 100%. Like, love that he represents Friartown in the ESPN world and he has so many great connections in college basketball. Yeah. Um, and I look fondly upon those teams, especially the 2004 team, obviously, um, sure. in, which, in which he coached. So Kevin, you got some final thoughts for some Friar fans to close this out? Yeah. You know, it's uh, interesting. Uh, this is a new college basketball world with this transfer portal. Uh, it, it, it's, it is good for the kids. It, it really is. If I was, if I, if my son was, uh, 19, 20 years old and, and, and kind of buried at, at, a, at a college, it's awesome that he could go somewhere else and not sit out. So it's, it's pro player. And please don't criticize, you know, these, these guys that, that that's, that's, they should have the freedom to do it. Uh, it does it make it difficult for the coaches. It's a, it's a game changer for the coaches, but the coaches get paid a pretty good amount of money to, to manage their programs. It's hard on the fans. So my advice to the fans is it, it's different. It's going to be hard to kind of invest in a player for three or four years to, to see his growth. Those days, uh, I wouldn't say are over, but, you know, be flexible. Uh, it's still your team. It, it's, it says Providence on the front jersey. That's who you have to cheer for. Unfortunately, the name on the back is going to change more than ever. And, and it, it's going to be a different experience for college basketball fans. And I don't think the game is better for it. Very well said. Some wide, wise words for somebody who's been in the industry for a long time. Kevin, you've been the person that I've went to for my Friar Insight for a long time, even when I was just getting the print Sunday morning paper from the Providence Journal. So, you know, me and my family definitely appreciate all the years of hard work you put in there. And now, you know, we're wishing you all the best in your, you know, in, in Kevin, in KevinMaxSports.com and your podcast. And, you know, it was an absolute honor to have you here on the show. Oh, and, you know, I, I can't believe I, I didn't say I do have a radio show on WPRO in Providence. 6 to 7 p.m. It's the Kevin Mack Sports Hour. Uh, if you don't live in Rhode Island, download the app. Uh, it's it's a good product. It's a good show. If you like college basketball, uh, it's the only place in New England that talks about it. So uh, please come and enjoy. So I thanks, Billy. Uh, been a lot of fun. Happy to do it again sometime. Appreciate it, Kevin. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to episode 15 of the Friar Podcast. And of course, a special thank you to our guest, Rhode Island sports journalist great, Kevin McNamara. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Friar Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud if you enjoy our content. And of course, go Friars.